0: Please turn in your Bibles with me to Joshua and we're going to spend a little time there in Joshua this morning. If you'll turn to Joshua the 4th chapter and maybe just stay put there for just a moment. We'll get to our text and some of our supporting scriptures in Joshua this morning. But good to see you in the house of the Lord today. I wanted to preach a sermon this morning that is titled I'll pass. I'll Pass. Now, someone caught me in the lobby this morning. They had seen the sermon title in the bulletin, and um, they thought that maybe I would be preaching about us passing away this morning. But I'm not going to preach a sad sermon today, so you don't have to worry about that. I'll pass. Live and Let Live has been our sermon series. And today's sermon is the final sermon in that series. Next week, we will preach a vision-casting sermon talking about where God has laid upon our hearts to go in 2020 and beyond. And then we'll launch into three different sermon series throughout the fall that will tie to the vision that God has given us for the church. And I'm very excited to do that. But this morning we'll finish the series Live and Let Live. And today we're going to find... uh, we are going to cover the last characteristic. There are seven characteristics that a biologist uses to declare something as being alive or living. And we have covered six of those. And we have tied each of those six to ask ourselves the question physically, not physically, but spiritually speaking, are we alive in Christ? And so today, the last trait is passing traits to offspring. If something is living, if something is alive, it will pass on traits to the offspring that it produces. Spiritually speaking, if we are alive in Christ, then we too must pass along traits and we must be intentional about passing those traits along. In fact, even more intentional. So today's sermon, I'll pass. Now, if I were to say to you, I'll pass, that may bring forth two different connotations or two different meanings I'll pass, no thanks. Or I'll pass, meaning I'll extend it on. Let me try to say it a little bit better. If you were to say to me, Brussels sprouts, I would say to you, I'll pass. (laughs) But a quarterback may say to his receiver in the huddle, I'll pass. I'll extend it on to you. I'll extend the ball down the field to you. The very title of our sermon today then, I'll pass, expresses a decision that each one of us as individuals must make. Here's that question. Will I pass along godly tradition and heritage to my future generations? Or will I pass up the opportunity? Will I decline it? Will I decline to be intentional? Will I say, no, I'll just pass? Or maybe I'll just be so passive that I don't pass any godly traits on to the next generation. So I'll pass. Which is it? Are we going to decline or are we going to extend? When we're talking about biology, we we see a concept called heredity and talking about passing things on. And that is simply an inheritance that occurs due to the genetic material that comes from a, a parent or two parents into their offspring. And we know that there are certain genes that will dominate other genes. And once those, those come together, a trait or many different traits are produced within an offspring, within a child. Now, let me stop here for a second and, and just say this. Biolo- biologically speaking, traits are passed on naturally. It happens. Mother and father produce the child, and those traits are passed on automatically automatically. But let me be very careful this morning as we make the comparison. Spiritually speaking, a spiritual trait, a godly trait, does not happen naturally. That just because my mother and father were and are Christians does not mean that I'm going to be a Christian. So we must be careful to understand that when I'm talking this morning about us passing on godly traits, I'm talking about us doing our very, very best to extend our influence to those beyond ourselves. So in biology, there are certain traits that even can skip a generation. Now, you may think of some of the people in your family, and and as I give some of these examples, red hair and blue eyes can both skip a generation because they're what's called recessive genes. But can I tell us this morning that spiritually speaking, we cannot afford to allow the things of God to skip a generation in our families. Can I get a good amen this morning? And therefore, we must be intentional about extending our influence. In biology, there are two types of traits. A dominant trait and a recessive trait. A dominant trait trait requires only one copy of a gene to express that trait. And you'll see on the screen an example of a dominant trait. Now you're going to spend the rest of the sermon trying to do this, rolling your tongue. Now I could stand here until the cows come home and I couldn't roll my tongue. But you see the gentleman in the picture there, or actually the lady in the picture there, that's a dominant trait. There's also recessive traits. And that requires two copies to come together because they're not as powerful, I guess. And one uh, a recessive trait is cystic fibrosis. Another one is having a straight thumb. Now, the gentleman there has us a thumbs up. Someone after church, maybe if you have a straight thumb, you can show me what that means because I, I really don't know exactly what that means. I don't know if it means you can't move your thumb or, or, or what it is, but that's a recessive trait. But can I tell you that if we're thinking about passing traits on, biblically speaking, godly traits, then we must purpose in our hearts that we're going to live godly and try to pass that along. Holiness is a trait that we need to pass on. A respect and a fidelity to the holy scriptures is a trait that we need to pass on. Do we still believe that this is God's infallible word? then we must tell the future generations that. That is so under combat in our society today, isn't it? And truth is being challenged on every end, and we must stand our ground. We must extend our influence because we know better. And we know this word, and may we communicate it. Now, there are different dominant traits in biology, physical traits. You may know this. Dark hair is dominant over blonde hair. Unless you go to the salon and you no, I leave that alone. <laughs> Curly hair is dominant over straight hair. I'm sorry to say this to us gentlemen, but baldness is a dominant trait. Having a widow's peak, a V-shaped V-shaped hairline, is a dominant trait. Freckles, a cleft chin, dimples. Somebody smile. I have one dimple. I don't know what happened to the one on the other side. Dimples are a dominant trait. But can I tell us that in our lives, there should be dominant godly traits in our lives. Passing it on, extending it on starts with you and I. What are some of these traits? We need to have a godly fear and a godly respect. Have we lost some of that in the land today? I believe we have. But you and I, we know better and we need to have a godly fear, a godly respect. We need to honor God with the way we live and we do that through living a holy, consecrated life. We must have faith and fidelity to God's word. The Bible is God's inspired word and the Bible is our standard for all conduct. And we need to leave a heritage of spirit-filled life and spirit-filled living. We need to possess these dominant traits in our lives, but we also must purpose to pass on these dominant traits through all of the influence that we possibly can. And Joshua today gives us a strategy for doing this. If you'd look with me, please, to Joshua chapter 4. Joshua chapter 4, verses 1 through 7, our text this morning And it came to pass when all the people had completely crossed over the Jordan that the Lord spoke to Joshua saying, take for yourselves 12 men from the people, one man from every tribe and command them saying, take for yourselves 12 stones from here, from out of the Jordan, out of the midst of the Jordan, from the place where the priest's feet stood firm You shall carry them over with you and leave them in the lodging place where you lodge. Then Joshua called the 12 men whom he had appointed from the children of Israel, one man from every tribe. And Joshua said to them, cross over before the ark of the Lord your God into the midst of the Jordan, and each one of you take up a stone on his shoulder according to the number of the tribes of the children of Israel. That this may be a sign. Everyone say sign. That this may be a sign among you when your children ask in time to come, saying, What do these stones mean to you? Then you shall answer them that the waters of the Jordan were cut off before the ark of the covenant of the Lord. When it crossed over the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan were cut off. And these stones shall be a memorial to the children of Israel Forever, And we're gonna talk about that story this morning. And first, I wanna tell us that first and foremost, in the strategy of influencing future generations, we must show up. Everybody say, show up. show up. We must show up. Joshua and the children of Israel, they showed up. They showed up to do what God had told them to do. They showed up to accomplish what God had told them back in chapter 1 of Joshua to accomplish. Let me say right here that maybe it would be good to read Joshua chapter 1 through Joshua chapter 4 this week as a follow-up to the sermon this morning. Note to ourselves, we can't pass on something. Hear me this morning. We cannot pass on something that isn't already part of our own lives. Now, that's a sobering thought this morning, isn't it? But I can't influence you if I'm not showing up myself. And as parents and grandparents and great-grandparents, we must live godly lives if we want to influence those who we love the very most. We need to show up. Our influence to future generations begins with our lifestyle, how we are living here and how we're living now. And you may say to me, well, Pastor Greg, my lifestyle up to this point has not been godly. It's not been what it should be. I wanna tell you that we can start right where we are. And today is the day of salvation. And not only does our eternal soul depend upon it, but those we love the most need to see the work of grace and a change in our lives. That'd be a good place to say amen. Amen. How I live now, will most definitely influence and impact the future generations in my genealogy. Flip back with me, if you would, please, to Joshua chapter 1 at verse 2. We're going to take a a little journey through Joshua this morning, and I promise you I'm going to be mindful of the time as we come together in a few moments to take in a new member and celebrate baptism but I tried to scale this back, and, and I just didn't feel like the Lord allowed me to scale it back. Is that okay this morning? So I just want to preach what the Lord has given me. Joshua 1, 2. Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, arise, go over this Jordan... You and all this people to the land which I am giving to them, the children of Israel. Can I tell each one of us, I can look back in my family line and I can see some heroes of the faith who had influence and who stood for God, but some of them have passed on. Saying it bluntly, some of them are dead. It falls to me now. My grandmother was a saint of a person. And she influenced us and she lived it before us. But my children and my children's children, they will not see her example, they shall see mine. Let's look at Joshua 1, seven through nine. Jump down to verse seven. You say, if I try to show up, how can I show up? Can I live it? Can I do it? Let me tell you what we can. Look at verse seven. Only be strong and very courageous. That you may observe to do all the law which Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left, that you may prosper wherever you go. Verse 8. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night. Can I tell us this morning, if we want to live right and we want to know how to live right, God has given us the scriptures. And if we get in the scriptures until the scriptures get into us, then we can live it. This book of the law, meditate on it day and night that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. Here's what will happen. It'll happen for us. It'll happen for generations to follow us. For then you will make your way prosperous and then you will have good success. I promise every one of us that the book, the good book will tell us how to live and there are practical applications all through this word to show us how to live and we can be successful in this life. And then in Joshua 1.9, one of my favorite verses Have I not commanded you, be strong and of good courage. Do not be afraid nor be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. We can show up. Why can we show up, pastor? One, because God's word will show the way. But secondly, because God himself will show up wherever we go. Two promises Two promises that can sustain us as we try to show up for God, as we purpose to extend influence for Christ. Two promises. One, God's word will show us how to live. And two, God's presence will be with us. So I say there should be no excuses, no delays, no detours, no distractions. It's time to show up. Future generations depend upon it. But not only should we show up, but we also need to set up. Everybody say, set up. Set up. When I think about this term, set up, I, I think of two different expressions. You know, you may have been driving through a town one day and you saw blue lights come up behind you and you said, that was a setup. That was a speed trap. You've been set up. In my cases, it's just been ignorant driving. <laughs> I wasn't set up. It was my own fault. But I can be either set up for success or I can be set up for failure. And after we begin to show up and, and we start exhibiting faithful characteristics and following God, then we need to strategically do all that we can to set up our lives after Christ in a pattern of living that will extend to our future generations so they too can set up their lives for godly success. Look with me, please, Joshua 3. Joshua 3, verse 10. And Joshua said, by this you shall know that the living God is among you. And then he goes on to give specifics of what was happening there and how God was gonna drive out the enemies from around them. And I wanna tell us this morning that we set up future generations for success when they see us go through some obstacles with God on our side and they see us stand firm and victorious over those things. And it becomes a testimony and it becomes an enhancement and encouragement to them that if dad could go through it, I can too with God's help. If grandma can endure, certainly I can too. We need to set them up by showing them our testimonies. Joshua 3.11 Look at verse 11, please. Behold, the ark of the covenant of the Lord of all the earth is crossing over before you into the Jordan. You see in the story today, they were going to cross the river, but they were going to miraculously cross through a river and they were going to go on dry ground. How were they going to do that? God gave them instructions and said, you take the Ark of the Covenant, which is symbolic of the Spirit of the living God. In fact, the Spirit of the living God was up on and in the Ark of the Covenant. He said, you take that and you go into the waters and the waters are gonna part. And I wanna tell each one of us that if we wanna set up our lives, make sure that the Holy Spirit is going with us and before us and behind us. Jesus said, I'm going to leave you a helper, a comforter, a guide. He is the Holy Spirit, and he will set us up for godly success. And that speaks to our heritage as a Pentecostal people, a heritage as a Spirit-filled people. We know that there is a helper, and the Holy Spirit is active in this world today. And I ask us, is he active in our lives today? Look down with me, please, to verse 17. Then the priest who bore the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord stood firm on dry ground in the midst of the Jordan. And all Israel crossed over on dry ground until all the people had crossed completely over the Jordan. Now, if you'd go over with me to Joshua chapter 4, starting back at verse 1. And it came to pass, when all the people had completely crossed over the Jordan, that the Lord spoke to Joshua. He said, Joshua, take for yourselves 12 men from the people, one man from every tribe, and command them, saying, take for yourselves 12 stones from here. Out of the midst of the Jordan, from the place where the priest's feet stood, you shall carry them over with you and leave them in the lodging place where you lodge.'" tonight. They were to go in. Every tribe was to be represented, meaning that no one should be left behind. No one shouldn't be represented. Everybody represented, everybody influenced. How many among us know that if we have 15 grandchildren, we want to see all 15 grandchildren serving the Lord? 14 out of 15 is not enough. He said, go and take one for every tribe. Take it back out of the dry bed where, where it shows of a great testimony of the Spirit of God that had moved and parted the waters and we all crossed over to safety. Take that rock. Now go with me, please, to Joshua 4, verses 6 and 7. That this may be a sign among you when your children ask in time to come, what do these stones Mean. Now I'm not proposing to us this morning that we walk around holding a stone all the time. That would be rather cumbersome. Not sure that I could eat my Brussels sprouts and my steak and potatoes if I were carrying a stone all the time. But I want to say it this way for us this morning, the way that we live our lives and the way that we conduct ourselves and the experiences that we go through should provoke our children and our grandchildren from time to time to ask us questions. Is that good preaching, this? What do you believe, Dad? What do you believe, Granddad? Why do you believe that? Why do you go to church? Why do you pray in the Spirit? Why do, you, why do you believe God? Why do you read your Bible? Why do you lift your hands and praise God? I believe that there are all kinds of, if I can say it this way, stones that should be in our lives that would cause an influence to the generations around us. And maybe, just maybe, they would look at us and they would say, What do these stones mean to you? Look on with me, please, to verse 7. Then you shall answer them that the waters of the Jordan were cut off before the ark of the covenant of the Lord. When it crossed over the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan were cut off and these stones shall be for a memorial to the children of Israel forever. In the case of this scripture this morning and this story this morning, they set up the stones and they made a memorial, a remembering and a testament of what God had done. But whatever it might be, may we leave behind testimonies and examples and set up the future generations to know about God, God's Word, and what God can do. You see, we need to show up. That's doing what He says to do. We need to set up. That means living through experiences with Him and coming out with a testimony of victory. And then finally, we need to speak up. Everybody say, speak up. Very rarely have I ever been told to speak up. I may have been told to shut up, but very rarely have I been told to speak up. But here I want to tell us to to speak up. Our children, our grandchildren, those around us, future generations, need to hear, get this, from us. It's one thing to hear from the Sunday school teacher, and we have the best of the best teachers in the world right here. I love to hear from them. It's good to hear from great music and we have the best of the best music and musicians and singers. It's good to hear from preaching. But can I tell you, each one needs to hear from us as individuals. There's nothing more powerful than a personal testimony about the grace of God and what God has done in a personal life. Each one of us has a story to share. We looked in verse 6, look at that last part of verse 6 again. What do these stones mean to you? And I want to ask a few other questions beyond that question. Do we know how to answer? Are we willing to answer? Are we prepared to give an explanation? What's your story of grace? What's your testimony? Are you prepared to communicate it to your children, your grandchildren, your great-grandchildren? Are we prepared to communicate it to those who are around us? So you see, we need to speak up. One more passage of Scripture, please, if you'd go with me, Joshua 4, down to verse 20. Joshua chapter 4, verse 20. And those 12 stones which they took out of the Jordan, Joshua set up in Gilgal, then he spoke to the children of Israel, saying, When your children ask their fathers in time to come, saying, What are these stones? Then you shall let your children know, saying, Israel crossed over this Jordan on dry land. For the Lord your God dried up the waters of the Jordan before you until you had crossed over, as the Lord your God did the Red Sea, which, we dried, which he dried up before us until we had crossed Over That all the peoples of the earth may know that the hand of the Lord, that it is mighty, that you may fear the Lord your God forever. They had a testimony. They had a story. And they were willing to show up. They were willing to set up. They were willing to speak up. And I believe every one of us has a stone or two. Or maybe a half dozen, and God has done many, many things for all of us, and I ask all of us, what are we doing to make sure that future generations and even people presently know what God has done for us? This morning, I, I set some little stones here on the platform, and I, I brought a little stone here, and I, I was reminded of, of a, a cornerstone that is out in the front of our building. And it, it is a beautiful stone that's out there with a plaque in it. And it really is a testament of where God has brought his people corporately as a church. And my understanding is that rock came from the very first building that was uh, on a different piece of property from here. And it was, it was brought in and set there. But God has brought this church a mighty long ways. And God is faithful and we have a story to tell. We have a testimony and it is God's doing. And as the psalmist said, it is marvelous in our eyes, And then I thought about this binder as Mike and I the other day were visiting with Shirley Sadler, one of our, our members who is homebound right now. And she gave me this binder and she wanted me to bring it and look at it and, and look at the pictures and read the articles. And it tells the story of the charter members of this church and what a legacy that these 12 people, what an influence that they have had. And guess what? They're still having. Isn't that amazing? But I want to tell you this morning that every single one of us are God called and every single one of us, I believe it with all of my heart, we can purpose in our heart to make a difference, to become an influence and generations from now if the Lord tarries his coming and then we're gone and we have stepped off the scene, our influence can still be felt. Isn't that a beautiful thought? Amen. May it be so, God. May it be so. Can I tell you that that there was not one perfect person. They were all precious people, but not any one of them were perfect. And if you read the narrative, Shirley looked at me the other day and she said, Pastor Allison told me to write it as it was. And you will see in the narrative some stories of grace You will see in the narrative that there were were some that helped start the church and then they fell away for a little while and the grace of God brought them back. And I'm here to tell you this morning, if you're in that boat and you say, I need grace, I need a new start, you can start today. The goodness and grace of God is sufficient today to start again. And you can leave an influence and a testimony to those beyond. What about it this morning? Are we going to speak up? Are we going to stand out? I want to tell you, you don't need, I don't need any special talent, any special ability to stand out for God. All I need is a heart that wants to follow after Him. I'm thinking of an old uh, sitcom story right now if I can remember it really well and it's speaking to me spiritually. It may sound a little silly to you, I don't know, but I can picture the sitcom dad in the backyard and the little boy and they're at a basketball hoop and the dad is stressing out because he doesn't know how to play basketball and all he does is throw the ball up and it hits the backboard and the son is just totally, teetotally impressed. Can I tell you that there are people in your life, children and grandchildren, that all they care is if you throw the ball and hit the backboard, they're gonna love you. You mean the world to them. And all you need to do is stand up as a man of God, stand out as a woman of God and serve God faithfully and you will influence that child and that grandchild. Is that all right this morning? You see, we have memories of the past, that give us meaning to the present and that that meaning to the present helps us move towards the future. How about it this morning? I'll pass. No, I'm not gonna pass about the Brussels sprouts. Well, I will pass on the Brussels sprouts. If you wanna fix me any dinner or anything, I would love to have it, but you don't have to give me Brussels sprouts. I'll pass on that. But I want to say when it comes to my Christian heritage, I'll pass it on. How about you this morning? How about you this morning? Amen. Amen. One closing scripture, and we're going to say a word of prayer, and we're going to celebrate baptism this morning. Thank God for that. Would you go with me to Ephesians chapter two? As I take it into a very personal Note as we end out this morning. You know me, I like to spend a few moments each Sunday where we examine our own hearts as individuals before God and we check our own hearts and our minds with Him. And that's what I want us to do for a few moments here before we leave or transition rather. But Ephesians chapter 2, starting at verse 4, said this. But God, who is rich in mercy, because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, has made us alive together with Christ. Somebody say alive. Alive. By grace you have been saved. And then in verse six, and he raised us up together and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. That in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. Look at verse eight. For by grace, you have been saved through faith. And that it is not of yourselves, but it is the gift of God. Not of works, lest anyone should boast. But look in verse 10. For we are his workmanship. We are created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. You say, Pastor, I'm 88 years old. Does God have good works for me to walk in right now? Yes, ma'am and yes, sir. Pastor, I'm six years old. Does God have good works for me to walk in and do? Yes, ma'am and yes, sir. You say, Pastor, I don't even know the Lord yet. I wanna promise you that if you will come and be saved and allow him to regenerate you and be born again, you can be changed by grace and you can start right where you are living out the workmanship, the plans that God has for your life. And then you can pass on a heritage to those after you. Would you stand with me all over the building this morning? Would you bow your heads all over the house this morning? And How is your heart? Is it right with God? Do you know Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior? I have good news for you this morning. If you don't know Jesus as your personal Savior, you can know him today. Scripture tells me that today is the day of salvation. And here's how I want to do it this morning. I want you to know that this altar is open. If you want to come and pray, if you want to kneel down, and this altar is open. In fact, this altar is always open. If you need to come and pray, if you need to come and accept Christ as your Savior, that is always in order, that is always appropriate. But here's what I wanted to do this morning As you search your heart and you search your life as an individual and you say, I need to know Jesus Christ as my personal Savior and I want to make a change this morning. Or you say, I don't know. If you don't know, then you need to know and you can know today. Or you say, I've drifted away and I just need to re-firm and firm up my walk with the Lord. I just want us to pray together this morning. And I'm going, to, I'm going to say it out loud and if you believe it in your heart and you, you want to receive the Lord today and you want to pray while everybody else is praying, I'm going to invite the whole congregation to, to just join me in, in praying this morning. I know that, that you say, Pastor, I know the Lord and I'm saved, but I, sometimes it's just a, a beautiful experience to, to pray again and just show the Lord our heart still seeks after Him and we're still tender before Him and we're still gracious about the gift of salvation. So I want us to just pray this morning together. And if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, then I encourage you to pray this prayer. He'll change your life. Then get in the Word and get in church and tell somebody and serve the Lord. Serve the Lord. So let's pray together. (music)